Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, as I, uh, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not ha- all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is God's word. Uh, Evening, everyone. Uh, My name is Matt. If we haven't uh, met, let me lead us in prayer as uh, we look at this together. Our great God and Father, we thank you that when we, excuse me, when you call us to yourself, when you call us to the Lord Jesus, you call us to brothers and sisters. And in your great wisdom, you've designed us as Christians not to live alone, but to live dependent upon one another. And Father, help us to embrace that. Help us to enjoy that. Would we not be those who resist it? Father, help us to take joy in the body of Christ, we pray, in his name. So we're thinking, as I say, one or two would have heard uh, some thoughts on this this morning in 1 Corinthians 12, but um, we're thinking again about this metaphor that Paul gives of church being like a body. And of course, if you've been a Christian a while, that's a familiar picture 
but it is just a really brilliant metaphor. I mean, lots of pictures in the Bible and the New Testament, you know, Jesus, a lot of um, agricultural metaphors, farming metaphors, and we can get them because we can get seeds going in the ground, etc. But the body, like we really get that. It doesn't matter what generation, what century you were born in, what country you were born in, we all get the concept of a body. And the message is very simple, really. The human body cannot function without diversity. And the church body cannot function without diversity. It's really simple tonight. So if you're tired after the weekend away, it's good news. It's really simple tonight. Or let me make it even simpler. You need me and I need you. In fact, in a 100% guaranteed NAF moment, we are all now going to turn to the person next to us and say, you need me and I need you. And that's not a rhetorical comment. Go. Well done. Well done. At which point I say, amen, and sit down. That's it, really. Uh, we're spending a month then in Romans chapter 12. Uh, we're just, if you weren't here last week, we've just jumped in. Um, we've not looked at the rest of the Romans for a while. Uh, we've just jumped into Romans chapter 12 to think about a healthy body. We're doing a, um, thinking about the culture of a church. And here is a body checkup. Now, most of you are far too young for this, but some will know uh, a number of firms will give you a well-woman checkup or a well-man checkup, and, uh, or you can pay for it yourself uh, if your firm doesn't offer it. And they tend not to bother unless you're under the age of 40, because after the age of 40, you just fall apart, just for your encouragement. Is that true? One or two? No, it's not that bad, is it? Um, but uh, things are more likely to go wrong. So uh, you get your lifestyle review, it's a diet review, they'll do a mental health check, they'll do your ECG, they check your oxygen saturation, uh, urinalysis, which always, I don't like that word, um, uh, they check you for cancer, all these sort of things. It's sort of fairly standard if you're in a professional firm or, or if you're a vicar like me, you're not in a professional firm, but you do get adverts, so uh, I'm not going to, don't panic, but it makes me laugh, the adverts because they say you need to go for a well-man check and you end up looking like this. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of that. We don't want to look at that for too long. But um, I mean, it's hilarious, isn't it? Yeah, if you come for a checkout, you look like that. It's like, well, if I... Um, but anyway, there it is. But uh, you're meant to have a well-man or a well-woman checkup, and at the end of it, every time they say, yes, drink less coffee, Ooh. eat less chocolate, um, go for some exercise, that's all right. Uh, and they make these sort of recommendations to you. Romans 12 is a body checkup. Not physically, obviously, but on the body of Christ, upon us. Just a few little tests. How are we doing? Are we healthy? Hopefully, in many ways. Maybe one or two recommendations of things that we need to change, add to our lifestyle, cut out from our lifestyle. But we're thinking about a healthy body. And uh, tonight, just two things. Uh, they're not particularly memorable, but they, they do summarize what's here. In a healthy body, uh, all soberly judge the amount of faith that they have. 
We'll get to the drugs. And in a healthy body, all use their gifts to serve others. It's actually very simple. You need me, and I need you, collectively. Let's work through it. In a healthy body, then, all soberly judge the amount of faith they have. Uh, If you were here last time, we looked at just verses 1 and 2. A call to be a living sacrifice. That is true worship. You you become a living sacrifice if, verse 2, you do not conform to the pattern of this world, but you're transformed by the renewal of your mind, not informing your mind. That's where it starts. But then you approve of God's will. It's not just cognitive. You actually say, yes, I, I see that God's way is best. We looked at that last time. So we do need renewed minds. And verse 3, the first thing that needs renewing is our view of ourselves. 4, chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. The first thing that needs renewed is our self-evaluation because we're not very good at it. Good at it. We are told, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But most of us are rubbish at self-evaluation. Uh, I've shared this before, forgive me, but uh, I just love it. You know, if you come, you know, some of you would heard me say this, but you know, the, there's a phenomenon that sociologists talk about better than average syndrome. Everyone thinks they're better than average. So in the UK, in the surveys that are done, 98% of the UK population think they have above average IQ. Uh, 95% think they've got above average looks. And 98% think they're in the top 50% of the nicest people in the UK. And 97% think they're the top of drivers uh, in the UK. That doesn't work, does it? There are some people who are stupider, uglier, grumpier, and to be avoided on the roads than they realize. I mean, it's pretty obvious stuff. We're not very good at self-evaluation, but that's what we're told here. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Think of yourself soberly. With sober judgment. Okay, but we're not very good at that. The context here is in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I said to the staff team on Thursday night, you know, preaching Romans 12, there's, there's someone snuck in verse 3. It wasn't there last time I looked at it. Because I really don't remember that verse. What on earth did it mean? It's saying God allocates different amounts of faith to different Christians. You get 10 shares, you get 5 shares, you get 3 shares, you get 19 shares. We have different amounts of faith. In a room like this, perhaps, you know, you'll find four people with the same amount of faith as you. We all have different quantities of faith. It's a very strange thing. Now, he's not talking about faith for salvation, because it doesn't matter how much or how little faith you have, you just need to have faith in Jesus. If you're a terrible, if you get very highly anxious about flying in an airplane and you have to guzzle down a couple of Valium, I used to work with a, a woman, you know, and um, we did a few business trips together, and uh, it was, I mean, she's a few years older than me, and it was a bit awkward because if you sat next to her on the plane, she'd be popping the Valium and then hold my hand and squeeze uh, in takeoff and landing. But, you know, I got there, she got there, we both got there. 
because we're both on the same plane. Her journey was a bit more stressful than mine, but, well, my hand got a bit more bruised than hers, but that's all right. Faith in Jesus gets you to heaven. Strong faith, weak faith, doesn't matter for salvation, but we are given different amounts of faith. So it's the same idea that Paul will go on to talk about, I think, in chapters 14 and 15, that some have a strong, mature, confident faith, whereas others have a weak, young, timid faith. Just different amounts of faith. Or I think we sort of see this, not that I'm arguing from experience, but I guess I'm just saying we do observe it sometimes. So uh, Miss A and Mr. B become Christians at the same time. And Miss A just takes off and has incredibly strong faith. And within a few years, he's saying, yeah, I'm going overseas, and I'm going to work in the Middle East, and I'm going to uh, preach the gospel in a a, a closed country, uh, and if I go to prison for it, I don't care. Wow. Mr. B gets converted, becomes a Christian at the same time, and just sort of barely ever takes off. I mean, trusts Jesus, but just bumps, 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 bumps. And you think, why did that happen? Why does she take off, or, or you know, another event, why does he take off and he bump, bump, bump along the ground? God gives different amounts of faith to different people. It's curious. But that's what's being said. Now, it leaves me, or made me ask two questions. Okay, God distributes different amounts of faith, different shares of faith to different people. So what does it mean, therefore, to think of yourself with sober judgment? If you've got different amounts of faith. Well, here's my best attempt at that. Let me suggest what it means for perhaps three different groups. If you've got strong faith, you know, in Jesus' words, faith that can move mountains. Yeah, I'm going to, I mean, we had someone here a few, 10 years ago, I lose track now, was converted and said, I'm going to China. Do you speak Mandarin? Nope. Do you know anyone there? Nope. I'm just going to China to preach the gospel. Don't do that. I'm off. Um, Bought a one-way ticket. I mean, eccentric. But you'd say he had strong faith in in one sense. What What do you do if you have strong faith? If I said one thing, I think I'd say forgive. In a church body. I think to think of yourself with sober judgment, if you've got a really strong faith, forgive others. Recognize that you have confidence in the Lord that enables you to serve wholeheartedly and others don't. But forgive them. Because um, you're great. God has given you lots of faith and you invest your time and your energy and your money for the Lord and you are not conformed to the world but you're transformed by the renewal of your mind and you give of yourself and you give of yourself and you give of yourself to others at church until until you're exhausted And then you look at others and think, what's your problem, you idle little so-and-so? Look, you're on the coffee rotor once a term, and you can't even be bothered to turn up for that. I mean, midweek group, you've been like twice all year, because I don't know what. It's not that you're busy. I mean, pull your finger out. Sometimes, maybe it's only me that ever has. I'm not quite to that degree. I'm caricaturing a little bit. But that sort of sense of, oh, come on. Uh, years ago, 15 years ago, I can't even remember now, 15 years ago, something like that, uh, when the church was quarter the size, um, uh, we had a great treasurer at the time, super efficient, 
And uh, then they came to me one day and said, Matt, I'm really sorry, I need to resign as treasurer. Oh, Matt, um, uh, life has just got too busy, work too busy. No, not that. I just can't cope with seeing what people give anymore. There are some people I think are amazing. You look, I see all the figures. You, Matt Fuller, you're fine. You don't see any of these figures. Uh, but I have to see them, what people give as they come in the bank account, people fill in their standing orders. And um, some are amazing. I've like a newly qualified teacher, and they're giving loads. I think it's extraordinary. But you know, Matt, there are some, and I know what they earn, sort of. Yeah, I, I know it's sort of high six figures. One or two, you know, nudging you know, beyond. And what they give is pathetic. And I just, it just makes me angry. And I can't do it anymore. It's just screwing up my Christian life. I'm just so angry. I come to church and I'm just angry. Okay, well, look, it's up to you. Just, you can resign if you want. I, you know, that's not healthy, is it? But what you need to do is forgive. Not everyone's wired like you. Not everyone has God given the faith to be really generous and sacrifice and go without and go without? And for those you think are bumping along in the Christian life and you're annoyed with them, just you've got to forgive. Actually, you wonder if he did. He says, oh, that, okay, that's the solution, is it? Well, sometimes in the Christian life. Uh, and he said, no, I can do that, actually. Now I've started to pray that. I realized I was angry. That was right. Um, and was able to carry on. So look, if you've got strong faith, I think to think of yourself soberly means you, you recognize not everyone's got the same as you and you forgive. Or as uh, Paul puts it at a couple of chapters time, chapter 15, verse 1, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. You've got to bear with people and forgive them. What about if you've got weak faith, the second little group? What about uh, you've got weak faith? I mean, you're growing, um, but it's weak how do you think of yourself soberly? I think I'd say, don't despair. Yeah, yeah, some Christians are a lot more mature than you. And some have got a lot more to give than you. But don't despair. If you're growing, great. That's fabulous. Just don't get into the comparison game and, and despair. Some of the most useful words we often need to hear in the Christian life God has not finished with you yet. About to turn 50. God has not finished with me yet, I hope. Um, I think there's more refining to come. There's more growth in godliness, Christ-likeness. God has not finished with you yet. So if you think, oh, I haven't got strong faith. I'm not very confident. I can't speak to people about Jesus. I, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not very useful as a Christian. You're not, well, God has not finished with you yet. Again, last week, we thought we, we were thinking just about verses 1 and 2. The expectation is in the Christian life, you do grow. You are conformed to be like Christ over time. So don't give up. Don't despair. A third little group. You've got, what about stagnant faith? Actually, you're going nowhere in the Christian life. You are actually, in truth, if you think of yourself with sober judgment, a bit lazy as a Christian, uh, you don't serve in any capacity whatsoever. You don't really attempt to get to know God any better. I mean, he's pretty lucky if he gets you to say a word of prayer once a week, and you know it, and you sort of feel like that as well. That is stagnant faith. Okay, it may well be a real faith, but it's stagnant faith. And I think the call here will be grow up. 
just because Paul says, look, um, people have different amounts of faith, he's not saying, therefore, don't do anything. If you recognize, think soberly about yourself, this should be a spur that you grow up. You can grow in faith. Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, flee the evil desires of youth, pursue faith. Pursue it. Ask God, I need more faith. I believe, help me to believe. Give me more faith, Lord. Or as Paul writes to the Thessalonian church, 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 3, we thank God for you, brothers and sisters. Your faith is growing. It can grow. So please don't hear this and think, yeah, I haven't got much faith. So, um, and all the like, all the like servant-hearted Christians, they just need to forgive me. Um, in fact, they can bring me my coffee. Can you bring my coffee? Um, and bring it to my, in fact, a grape. No, no, not that. Think of yourself soberly. Recognize you're immature. Oh, oops. You're always certainly stagnant. I haven't got much faith. I need to grow. Yeah, pursue it. God will, grow, God will answer that prayer. But there's my best attempt. What does it mean to think of yourself soberly, the amount of faith? Well, for three different groups. For the strong, forgive. For the weak, don't despair. For the stagnant, pursue more faith. But then briefly, a second question jumps out to my mind. I've got no answer for you on this one, really. (laughs) Why does God do it this way? Why, when people become Christians, doesn't he say, one share of faith, one share of faith, one share of faith, one portion of faith, one portion of faith, one... Why does he distribute different amounts of faith to different people? I don't know. Why is it that people mature at different rates, are able to do wildly different things? Some people serve wholeheartedly. Some people love God, have a real delight for him. They have a passionate faith in him. Why the difference? Why the variety? I don't know. But I think, I think in this context, when Paul is talking about the body, presumably it is better, because the Lord does what is good and best, it is better to have varying amounts of faith amongst us, some strong, confident, some just about clinging on, some a little bit stagnant, in some way. It is better for the body of Christ. It is better for the church family. It brings more glory to God that we have to relate to one another like that and love one another and do so, forgiving, seeking to grow, not despairing. It's better that we do it that way than if everyone had the same amount of faith. It must mean that. It's better to have a church where there's an imbalance so that the strong in faith serve their hearts out and learn to do so cheerfully without being irritable, where the weak in faith are needy but are willing to say help and they develop their character, where the stagnant, they do take a long time to grow, but when they do, it's really encouraging after a period where they've just bumped along the runway. It must be better that way. But in a healthy body, all soberly, judge the amount of faith that they have. They don't get irritated with others. That's the first. That's, um, that's the naughty verse that someone snuck in when I wasn't looking. Um, and, uh, but this is more familiar territory, perhaps. Verses 4 to 8. In a healthy body, all use their gifts to serve others. A little more straightforward, this, I think. 
all use their gifts to serve others. When you thought soberly about the faith that God has given you, oh, just get on and serve other people. Don't be too introspective. Just get on with it. The principle of verses 3 to 8 is whatever your gift is, use it. That's the highlight. Verses four, verse 4. Four, just as each of us has one body with many members, parts, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, so, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I mean, we all know, we, we sort of take it for granted. The only time you ever really think about your body is when something goes wrong. Um, but the bodies are extraordinary things, 200 bones, 655 skeletal muscles, 210 cell types, whatever they do. Your body is a living miracle. How many body parts have you used today? Uh, I don't know. Um, no idea. Because what's stressed here, diversity, many parts. For the sake of unity, for the sake of something better, Diversity, many parts, unity, we're all one and belong to the others. You belong to me and I belong to you. And a healthy body needs every member to do its part. Otherwise, we're lacking. If you're part of this church family and you don't do your thing, you don't use your gifts, we're lacking. Oh, we'll still limp on, still do quite a lot, but not as much as we could. We had a staff day last month, and uh, we do it at the beginning of each term, and I asked the staff to bring uh, the question that was buzzing most in their heads, and uh, a, whole variety, a whole variety of questions. Um, uh, but, but one of them was, is administration a ministry of the same status as other ministries? Because it doesn't always feel that way. Well, Yes. It's just within a staff team, but of course it is, yes. At about 25 minutes through my sermon last week, if you were here, do you remember what happened? Yes, most of you do, because you've just looked up. The heavens opened, and so did the ceiling. <laughs> because Storm, I can't remember, what Edith, no, what was her name? Um, Eunice, that's it. Um, Eunice had ripped a load of, you know, Massive, two massive holes in the roof. It was fine over the weekend. And then on a Sunday night when it rained heavily, oopsie, and there's a bucket, there's a bucket. We were up to about 15 buckets by the end of the service, weren't we? Do you know why we're not doing that this week? It's not raining. No, that doesn't, no we're not doing that this week. <laughs> because some people sorted it out, and I don't even know who. Well, the admin team. I don't know how, you know, and the roofer. Um, but nothing to do with me. I was just told... By the end of Monday, it's fixed. Great. That's why we're able to sit without buckets all around us. There is a reason we've just had a weekend away. Administration. Yes. Of course. Of course we need one another. Some muscles are very demonstrative. I don't mean they're showing off. They're just inherently flashy. You know, quads. Glutes. Because, you know, you do, you know, it's really obvious when they're in operation, isn't it? You sort of bounce and you jump and you run. I mean, that, please don't tell me there's water coming through that. It just ruins the whole point. Don't, don't do that. No, okay, okay. 
Uh, it's wind, okay. That's all right. Um, uh, some muscles are really showy, and they, they slightly draw attention to themselves. You know, someone's running quickly. Oh, that's impressive. Someone's jumping high. It's impressive. You know, other muscles just do it in the quiet. You know, the heart beats whatever it is 100,000 times a day. I mean, you don't, you see a 100-meter runner, you don't instinctively say, what a heart. But obviously, without a heart, he's not running. I mean, it's all very obvious, isn't it? Some muscles are obvious, and you see them first. But a moment's thought, and you think, you've got to have everything else in place. It just doesn't work. We're meant to find pleasure in the other parts. Not be jealous. Not be irritated. We're meant to find delight in the glutes that help us jump and the nose that helps us smell. Even if our thing is being an ear that helps us listen. Because all these other parts, they enrich us. They just make us so much more than if we're just all the same. As Paul stresses verse 5, each member belongs to all the others. You belong to me, I belong to you, I need you, you need me. And you're mine, and I'm yours. So it would be crazy to get irritated with you. Because you've got gifts that I want. That would be odd. Because when you use your gifts, I benefit. I use my gifts, you benefit. That's how God has set the church up to be. Of course, it is probably hardest when someone has similar gifts to you but is better. You know, that's sort of, you know, that's sort of the, the worst, is it? I really value your gift of music, and I really value your gift of serving, and I really value your gift of organization. But, so, you know, but my gift is whatever it is, teaching, and, oh, and you're better than me. Oh. That's what those, yeah. But you're still a recipient. Whatever your fang is, whatever your gifts are, we're not meant to resent them in others. We're meant to say, that's great. That's mine. I'm benefiting. The body is better now. And verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. In other words, God decides what we get. And as with all things in the Christian life, with the gifts he's given to you, he is good. He knows what is best. He doesn't make mistakes. So the gifts that he's given you, you might think, well, I want other gifts. Well, he's good. He does what is best. He doesn't make mistakes. Enjoy what he's given you. And then we get the list. Or, or before we get to the list, two other, a few other things. But, but here are a few things, just common things I'll say, uh, things to beware. Uh, beware gift cop-out, gift envy or gift projection. Uh, very quickly, gift cop-out is... Yeah, I've read this list, and I don't have some of these gifts. So, look, I'm afraid I, I don't have the gift of serving, so I can't serve in any way whatsoever. Or I don't have the gift of giving, so, yeah, let, you know, don't ask me for money. In fact, I don't have the gift of encouragement, so you smell. Um, uh, yeah, you may be gifted 
spiritually have pronounced strength in some areas, but most of these things everyone does, all right, to a greater degree or others. So don't, there's no gift cop-out. I don't have the gift of hospitality, so no one's coming to my house or whatever it may be. Don't, don't just give, give it, okay. Uh, gift envy, I think we probably, you know, we've looked at. Gift projection, don't think everyone should be like me. No, remember you're in a body. Let me get this list. And I think it's, it's just representative. There are longer lists in the New Testament. There are other lists in the New Testament. It's just representative, I think. The focus is on the principle. Whatever gift you have, use it. Whatever gift you've got, use it. You know, sometimes there's talk, isn't there? Uh, footballers, Premier League footballers, they sign for gazillions. And uh, then they're being paid their 200K a week. And, um, oh, you know, I'm not sure the problem is. He just doesn't want, he doesn't, he plays okay internationally, but he just doesn't play for his team. He just sort of sits on the bench and collects his 200K a week. I imagine that's really irritating in a dressing room. Um, someone doesn't use their gifts for the team. Well, Paul is saying, use your gifts for the team, for the body. Uh, very quickly, let me run through a, a comment on them all. Uh, verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Now, look, you can ask me later if you want. Uh, the, the sensible, the good, and the godly disagree on what precisely the gift of New Testament is, sorry, the gift of prophesying is uh, in the New Testament. It must be some public speaking on behalf of God. It seems to me, 1 Corinthians 14 stresses, it's spontaneous revelation, i.e. not planned and not expounding the scriptures. It's spontaneous revelation. It's fallible. So they must be tested, 1 Thessalonians 5, weighed, 1 Corinthians 14, so you can ignore it. Uh, spontaneous revelation, fallible um, uh, it's designed for encouragement, 1 Corinthians 14. So uh, this came up, I was talking to someone at lunchtime, and they said, oh, someone came up to me the other day and said, I have a, word of in- uh, I have a prophetic word for you. Well, okay, uh, you're going to be greatly challenged in your job, and if you're faithful as a Christian, you'll lose it. Uh, I was like, ooh, ouch. Um, and I'm not sure, just really, I said, well, I just, um, you got any, anything that looks like that at the moment in your job? No, ignore it. Um, I mean, maybe true, but I mean, what sort of time scale? 20 years, 10 years? This, but um, most of the time, the prophetic word, it's in the context of the gathered church, so it seems it's for encouragement. But look, the great and the good do disagree on it. The important thing here is that you do it in accordance with your faith. So don't pretend. Don't pretend to have a prophetic word. Don't fake it. Don't perform to make yourself feel good. Serving, um, it's a broad word. Practical service, it can be table service in Act 6, or it can be serving the word up in Act 6. So, I don't know. Honestly, I just don't know. Teaching, uh, that's different because so others can learn, explaining the scriptures. So therefore, that's, I think, why it's different from a prophecy, uh, not spontaneous. Um, but doing so in a manner that doesn't puff you up, but is for others good. Encouragement in the New Testament is pressing home the pastoral implications of what the Bible says. It's applying the scriptures into daily living. It's 1 Timothy 4, is pretty clear on that, verse 3. Giving, probably financially here. Leading, I think, what does it mean if you're uh, uh, leading, do it diligently? I just don't give up, I think. Um, don't give up. Um, uh, mercy, do it cheerfully. That's an interesting one. Because that reveals our motive. 
if you're showing mercy to someone, do it cheerfully. Because we can all do things because we think we ought to and we're a bit resentful. We can all do things when others see us do them. So we're noticed for doing them. But to do it cheerfully, oh, that reveals the heart, I think. We don't want to serve just because we ought to. Although sometimes that's a place to start, I guess. But doing so because we love. We love Jesus. We want to serve him. And we want to serve our brothers and sisters. So we do it cheerfully. I guess that's serving like Jesus did. Hebrews 12. It was for the joy set before him that he went to the cross. He didn't serve out of resentment because he loves us. So those are the gifts themselves. Let me draw three little things. Uh, let me draw it together with three little things then. We're thinking about uh, a, a body check for CCM. How should they affect this, these few verses affect our culture at CCM? Three little things. One, value others' gifts. Value everyone's gifts. Whether they're obvious like your quads and your glutes or subtle like muscles in the ear, apparently the smallest muscle in the body's in the ear. Um, whether they're obvious or subtle, Value other people's gifts. Sometimes it takes a while. You realize, oh, you know, I keep hearing how encouraged people are by Joel. <laughs> it's not up front. There's no rotor for encouragement. Who's, who's got to encourage this week? Um, he just gets on and does it. It takes you a while to spot that. It's subtle. But value everyone's gifts. Don't resent they're for you. They benefit you. Uh, secondly, everyone's got to be involved. Whatever your gifts are, use them. If you're not serving in some way, please do. Maybe start with discipleship group leaders, how best to get involved. Sometimes you develop new gifts when you just volunteer for stuff. You know, oh, there's a need in the Sunday school. Oh, I'm not gifted for that. How do you know? Give it a go. Give it a go for a term. Well, I'm really not gifted at that. No, you're really not gifted at that. Go away. But thank you for trying. I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? The body of Christchurch Mayfair, it's functioning in lots of healthy ways. But in one or two areas, it's creaking. And there are some people who serve here long-term, wholeheartedly. They could do with a break, you know? So don't think, well, everything works. Yeah, but some muscles are tired and could really do with the rest and for you to step up. And there are some holes uh, that really need filling. So value everyone's gifts. We need everyone to get involved. And last little thing, let's be patient with those of weaker faith. For those of us who might think we're strong. There are part, there, every single person here is part of the body of Christ. And we need them. And sometimes it is those who just bump along in the Christian life that are really healthy for us. They slow us down. They make us grow our need to show mercy. Maybe it's the weak in faith that force us to become more like Jesus. So let's be patient with one another. You need me, 
and I need you. And in a healthy body, that's how it works. Let's pray together. Our great God and Father, we thank you and praise you again that this is how you have designed your church. Not for brilliant individuals, but for a body that needs each and every part. Father, for us in our culture, we love to be independent. And in many ways, we can. Would you slow us down? Would you help us see the folly of that? Would you help us take enormous pleasure in the diversity of the body of Christ? Play our part. Be patient and serve you. Amen.